Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hit and Run podcast, where conversation collides. My name is Robbie Alexander, and I am joined, as always, by... Natalie Dunn. It is the holiday special slash season two finale of Hit and Run. That's wild. It does not feel like it's been another, what, 15, 16 weeks? That's insane. I know. We've really chugged through this. I think it's because the last three months have been a cluster. But yeah, it feels like we just started season two. And what a good season it's been. It has. It's been a good season. We've had radio feed reunions. We had a couple old segments from season one. We just keep getting better. We had our first live show on Halloween. And now our first holiday show. But we had to keep it themed. We weren't just going to go off the rails and talk about whatever holiday, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever we wanted to talk about. So we, we, we honed it in and we've got a very special episode for you. This is the Christmas movie face-off bracket style. So what we did is we compiled a list of 12 movies that we've seen and pretty much like. You know, there's a ton of holiday movies out there. We had to hone it in. We had to siphon it to make sure we could fit it all in the episode and do justice. So if you have a movie that we're not going to talk about, make sure to sound off on our Facebook page and say, you know, what movie you think should be at least on the list, if not number one and why. And maybe next year we'll do a whole new movie challenge. But we've got a list of 12 right here. Four movies are going to have bye weeks, right? Four movies are going to have bye weeks on the first the first run through. So we've got eight movies, four head-to-head matchups in round one. Then we'll have four head-to-head matchups in round number two, going up against four number one seeds. And then it will take us to the semifinals. And then finally the championship. And we will crown a Christmas movie winner, at least of this list of movies. And we're going to we're gonna time ourselves right so that we don't just go completely off the rails here. Yeah, we're going to keep it about three minutes a matchup. So make sure that you've, you've got your most compelling arguments. Because I already know that there's some movies on here that you like. That's one specific. It's one of the number one seeds. And you love it, and I don't like it at all. And I already got flack from Hillary about not liking it, so uh, just bear with us. I will say I have a compelling argument, though. We'll get there. So here we go. Round number one. So here we go. First matchup of the day, we have It's a Wonderful Life versus White Christmas. Two classic Christmas movies that I have never seen. Nat listed both <laughs> of these, and I figured, you know, first movie bracket challenge ever, we're going to have to put in some of the heavyweights. So I also went on to Wikipedia and took the summaries of all these movies. So if you don't know what we're talking about, we'll buckle up because I'll give you a, a quick synopsis. We'll start with uh, It's a Wonderful Life from 1946. George Bailey has so many problems, he is thinking about ending it all. What a way to start a holiday movie, I was huh? going to say, it's a, it's a cheery Christmas movie. Is it? That's not what I got from that first sentence. And it's Christmas. That's what it's the not, sentence actually. finishes with. It's And it's Christmas. <laughs> As the angels discuss George, we see his life in flashback. As George is about to jump from a bridge, holy crap, he ends up rescuing his guardian angel, Clarence, who then shows George what his town would have looked like if it hadn't been for all his good deeds over the years. That's a wonderful life. Going up against White Christmas from 1954. Singers Bob Wallace, played by Bing Crosby, and Phil Davis, played by the wonderful Danny Kaye, join sister act Betty, who is Rosemary Clooney, I'm guessing some relation to George Clooney, it's probably his mother, 
in Jude Haynes, played by Vera Ellen, to perform a Christmas show in rural Vermont. There they run into General Waverly, played by Dean Jagger, the boy's commander in World War II, who they learn is having financial difficulties. His quaint country inn is failing. So, what's the foursome to do but plan a Yuletide miracle? A fun-filled musical extravaganza that's sure to put Waverly and his business in the black. First of all, these summaries are so different from one another, it's astounding. But second, (laughs) that just sounds like a smorgasbord of a movie. You know, it's really funny you say that because that's the only movie I can actually think of off the top of my head that uses the phrase smorgasbord. And every time you say it, I think of that movie. Really? And you say it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of smorgasbords, and this movie is one of them. Well, first of all, it looks like it's got an all-star cast. I mean, Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye, and then you throw in Rosemary Clooney and these other people that I've never heard of. Like, <laughs> All-star cast right off the bat. So right away, and it's, um, well, I don't know. I was going to say it's not about suicide, but sometimes you need to learn about that. So right off the bat, I'm saying White Christmas 1954. Do you think A Wonderful Life should move on to the next round? What's your take on this? Because this is going to be all you pretty much. Okay, well, I guess so there's a little content here. I will say in defense of It's a Wonderful Life, it's a classic. If I'm being honest, I'm not 100% sure why. Like, I'm not sure why it's become like this legendary Christmas movie. I guess because the moral of the story is, you know, good in the end. But personally, I don't think it's like, it's, it's not a very happy movie. It's actually a really depressing movie if if uh, if I'm being honest. So does he off himself? No, he tries to, but oh, he Jesus. Yeah, he doesn't. And then he looks at what his life would be like, or what the town would be like if he were never born, or whatever. And you know, it's been ripped off in a bunch of different movies and shows since then. It's like it's like the Christmas Carol. This you know? sounds. I was gonna say this sounds like a ripoff of the Christmas Carol, except it a nice be. guy instead of a Scrooge. It may be, you know, loosely based on that story. It's the same story, you know, but not quite. Instead of, you know, being a mean old man, he wants to kill himself. So I guess, you know, it's different, but same moral in the end, like right. whatever. White Christmas is one of my all-time favorite movies, like period, not even Christmas movies. Um, I watch White Christmas probably a good like 10 times a year. It's less now, but like in college, White Christmas was one of the movies that I just would play in the background while I did homework and stuff. So I will defend White Christmas to the death, but also it is a good movie. It's super fun and lighthearted, has a great moral. Lots of great musical numbers. There are no musical numbers and It's a Wonderful Life. So another point against it. So you're going with White Christmas for the winner of this round. Yes. That's good because I already wrote it down. I will say it's going to have a fight (laughs) in round two, but we'll get to that next. Matchup number two. Christmas Vacation versus The Santa Claus, two of my favorites. We kind of, you'll see that we kind of have a theme in round one as far as what movies are going up. We kind of, we tried to keep them similar. So uh, (laughs) National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation came out in 1989. Here's the synopsis for it. As the holidays approach, Clark Griswold, played by Chevy Chase, wants to have the perfect family Christmas. 
So he pesters his wife, Ellen, played by Beverly D'Angelo, children, which they don't list the children actors. One of them is Leonard Hofstetter from Big mm-hmm. Bang Theory. Just want to throw that out there. As he tries to make sure everything is in line, including the tree and house decorations. However, things go awry quickly. His hick cousin, their words, not mine. I love Eddie. But his hick cousin, Eddie, played by Randy Quaid, and his family show up unplanned and start living in their camper on the Griswold property. Even worse... Clark's employees, I don't know who wrote this synopsis, but doesn't make much sense, and they're missing the essence of the story. I think we get it. He tries to have a family Christmas. His his boss is holding back his bonus. That's the big thing. Also, awful. So it's just, it's it's a dumb Christmas movie, but it's wonderful. And it's going up against the Santa Claus. Came out in 1994. Divorced dad Scott, played by Tim Allen, another, you know, another legend, has custody of his son, played by Eric Lloyd. His son's name is Charlie. You're leaving out key details, Wikipedia. On Christmas Eve, after he accidentally kills Santa, they are magically transported to the North Pole, where an elf explains that Scott must take Santa's place before the next Christmas arrives. That elf, of course, being Bernard. Uh, Scott thinks he's dreaming, but over the next several months, he gains weight and grows an inexplicably white beard. Maybe that night at the North Pole wasn't a dream after all. And maybe, just maybe, Scott has a lot of work to do. Two awful summaries for two great movies. I'm going to throw that out there right now. (laughs) I love both of these movies. I make sure that I watch both of these movies several times during December. I have my winner already. It's tougher than I thought it would be, but I have my winner. I'm going to go with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It's family tradition with the Alexanders that on Thanksgiving night at 8 o'clock, you watch Christmas Vacation, and that is the kickoff to the holiday season. And I could watch that movie over and over and over again, and I don't get tired of it. Now, Santa Claus is the same way, and I think Santa Claus is more, or pardon, I think the Santa Claus is more charming than Christmas Vacation, but sometimes you just need a really stupid Christmas movie movie and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is that Christmas movie for me. Well, I can tell you right off the bat that I agree with you. My vote is also Christmas Vacation. But let me just say, one of my favorite podcasts, The Weekly Planet, um, they do like movies and comic books and TV reviews. They do a weekly series called Caravan of Garbage where they just watch random shit and they talk about it. And they're currently doing all three of the Santa Claus movies, like back to back to back. And so <laughs> gotta watch that. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's great. Also brings up a lot of questions about the Santa Claus. Like they talk about it in their video about the first movie. This universe is fucking wild. And like yeah. the more they talk about it, the more you think about it. It's a little weird. But also I've just really cooled on Tim Allen as a person over the last couple of years. So kind of just like don't really love him anymore. Don't really love really anything he's in anymore just because, you know, he's not a great person. But I did enjoy the movie as a kid. I still enjoy, you know, the movie now. But Christmas Vacation is far more enjoyable to me because it's also family tradition for us um, at my mom's family's house we always watch it on thanksgiving and then we watch it again on christmas eve and you know we don't even really watch it anymore but it's just it's on and it's there and we've all seen it a million times so we don't really have to watch it yeah i will say with how messed up the world is you don't really think about it in the original santa claus and then in the santa claus too when they spend way more time delving into the details of what santa is and his whole life that's when you're kind of like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> and it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Highly recommend watching um, the Weekly Planet's Caravan of Garbage videos about all three movies. It's it's trip. You know, Christmas Vacation is not airtight, but... Well, no. It's not can, supposed to be. They can get away with it. And it's things that you can relate to as well. I can't relate to Killing Santa. 
but I can relate to going berserk on some Christmas decorations. <laughs> Point Christmas Vacation, that will be moving on to the next round. Next matchup, we're going classic Christmas movies. Frosty the Snowman versus A Charlie Brown Christmas. First up, Frosty the Snowman came out in 1969. A discarded magic top hat brings to life the snowman that a group of children made until a magician, Professor Hinkle, wants it back and the temperature starts to rise. Frosty will melt or no longer be a jolly soul if the kids cannot get him away from Hinkle in warm weather. So he hops a train to the North Pole with young Karen. Now Frosty is going up against A Charlie Brown Christmas, which came out in 1965. A Charlie Brown Christmas is a 1965 animated television special and is the first TV special based on the comic strip Peanuts by Charles M. Schultz. Oh, I didn't know it was the first one. I didn't either. Produced by Lee Mendelson and directed by Bill Melendez, this program made its debut on CBS on December 9th, 1965. Like I said, some of the summaries don't make sense. So Charlie Brown Christmas is Charlie Brown doesn't get the meaning of Christmas. He gets recruited to direct the Christmas play. Hijinks ensues. He gets the ratty little Christmas tree. Linus gives that famous speech. Charlie Brown dresses up the Christmas tree, but it's not great. He puts the single bulb on it and it flops down and then the rest of them come and they make it real nice. And then the ending is them singing Hark the Angels Herald. What's that song called? Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And it's the best rendition ever, <laughs> ever. It was just on the other night. Apple bought the rights to like all of the peanuts and everybody's like, crap, this is going to be like the first time it's not on cable, but they were nice enough to donate it to PBS for one weekend and they did the same with Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. So I recorded it and I've watched it twice now because <laughs> it is an absolute gem. So Charlie Brown, you left off your original list, full disclosure, and I put it on there. So you know I'm going with Charlie Brown. I don't mind Frosty the Snowman. It's charming. Totally forgot that the professor's name was Hinkle. I'm pretty sure that's a character in some other famous movie, and it's also a bad guy. They would not make that movie this day and age, though, because they would not subject the main child to be named Karen. <laughs> so uh, I'm going with Charlie Brown on this one. I think I agree with you. I kind of have beefs with both of these movies. Um, I think you'll find that I am very polarized when it comes to Christmas movies. I either really like them or I really don't. I don't dislike either of these movies, I guess. I've never loved Frosty the Snowman. It always kind of weirded me out for no valid reason. But, you know, when you were a kid, you had like the box set of all the Christmas classics and it yes. was the only one that wasn't claymation. And I hated that. Yes. And I thought it was so weird. I thought it was like the wrong movie. Like, this isn't the real Frosty because it doesn't look like Rudolph. So that always, like, weirded me out. And also, the song is really fucking annoying, if I'm being honest. I don't really like the song. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. It's just an odd movie. But that being said, my biggest beef with the Charlie Brown Christmas special is that I can't stand that fucking song. The one that, you know, he plays the piano and they're all dancing. I can't stand it. Do, do, I hate do, it. Do, 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 do. I hate it. That's like the trademark Charlie Brown song. Yeah, that one and the other one where it's like all the little kid voices, like it's Christmas time, whatever. The opening song with Snoopy? Yeah, I hate That's that one too. That's the best part. No, I hate it. That is the best part of the movie. Nope. What I can't is stand What is wrong with that song? I can't stand either of them. It's, those are classics. Those I know. warm the soul. What don't you like about the first one? I'll, I'll give you the piano one. That gets old after a while, I will admit. But the first one with Snoopy just wiping kids out left and right and you don't like it, that sets the basis for the entire movie. Wait, am I thinking of the right one? Christmas time. Yeah, that one. 
Yeah, I can't stand it because it sounds like that. I hate it. Are you saying I don't have a lovely voice? No, you're you're singing it exactly how it sounds, and I hate it. Oh, it's lovely, just like my voice. <laughs> but you'll still go Charlie Brown. But I still choose Charlie Brown. All right, Charlie Brown moving on to the next round. I guess I should say I like the Charlie Brown Christmas special as a whole. It's just the songs that I hate. All right, final matchup of round one. We've got Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer against Elf. Kind of an odd matchup, but we're going with it. So first, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer came out in 1964, and you'll be able to tell which movies, based on these descriptions, were Rankin and Bass movies, because their descriptions are ass. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a 1964 Christmas stop-motion animated television special produced by Videocraft International LTD and currently distributed by Universal Television. Doesn't tell me jack shit about the movie. I think we all know what it's about. Elf, 2003. Buddy, played by Will Ferrell, was accidentally transported to the North Pole as a toddler and raised to adulthood among Santa's elves. Unable to shake that feeling that he doesn't fit in, the adult buddy travels to New York in full elf uniform in search of his real father. As it happens, this is Walter Hobbs, played by James Caan, a cynical businessman. After a DNA test proves this, Walter reluctantly attempts to start a relationship with the childlike buddy with increasingly chaotic results. So final matchup, we've got Rudolph against Elf. And I will say, I watched Rudolph when it was on a couple weeks ago. And the more I watch it, the more I realize that uh, the 1960s were a real sexist time. Well, and you, yeah. you, you can't help but laugh at how cringy it is. Do you know some of the lines are in there? I'm sure if you refresh my memory. So the top two that come to mind as far as sexist remarks in that movie. Now the whole movie is just like, it's made by two ad men. So that's the kind of movie you get when you give, it basically it's like if you took the Mad Men show and that mm -hmm. you watch them make a Christmas special, that was how they made Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, yeah. One line is when Rudolph is missing and his parents go to find him and his mom goes to follow the dad, which I believe is Donner. And Donner just turns around and he's like, no, this is man's work. Yep. And for what it's worth, as soon as he leaves, his mom's like, fuck you. And she also goes out to look for him. So a little <laughs> bit props right there. Don't let that man tell you what to do. And then Doesn't at the then end. Doesn't she almost get eaten by the abominable snowman though? They all almost get eaten by the abominable snowman. At one point, he knocks Rudolph out. And then Clarice is like, just finish him already. And it's like, wow, way to stand in there and fight. <laughs> Endorsing cannibalism. And then once the abominable snowman and Yukon Cornelius go off the side of the cliff, I can't remember the snowman's name. Burl Ives, who's narrating it, he's like, they figured the best thing to do was to take the woman back home. I was like, okay, <laughs> why not? Yeah, it was made a long time ago. That being said, uh, Rudolph has my vote. <laughs> and this is a personal thing. I love Elf. I watched a documentary on it last night on Netflix. It was very interesting. My sister, her favorite Christmas movie is Elf. For some reason... I have a very hard time watching movies where the adults act like children. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know why, it just really messes with me. And I think it's because when I was younger, I tried to watch Jack, which is a Robin Williams film. And I won't get into it, but that movie like really fucked with me. And it set the tone for any movies where... An adult acts like a child, but more specifically where the adult acts like a child and then gets yelled at by another adult. <laughs> Ooh, I can't. And for that reason, I have to go with Rudolph. As much as I appreciate Elf, like I really, I really can't watch that movie. It really messes <laughs> with me for some reason. I also found out last night that Peter Dinklage was in that movie. And I mean, I didn't know who he was when I watched it, but mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I know him. That's uh, that's uh, 
Fuck, what's his name? Don't tell me. Game of Thrones. My, he was my, one of my favorite Game of Thrones characters. He was a Lannister. He was, um, it doesn't start with a T. It's not Jamie. It's, um, it does start with a T. It does start with a T. It's not Tyrion. Tyrion was the dad, and it was. No. Was it Tyrion? Yeah. Okay. Tywin Lannister is the dad. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I wanted to say Theoden, but that's Lord of the Rings. That's completely yep. different. Well, kind of. I digress. My vote is Rudolph. What about you? In defense of Elf. Now that's a, you know, that's that's your own personal preference. That's valid. I mean, it's definitely like it's a fun, cute movie. I enjoy watching it, but I wouldn't say I like love it. Like I feel like some people are just so obsessed with that movie. Right. Like it's the best Christmas movie ever and like it's fun. I don't hate it, but I also, I don't know, Will Ferrell's one of those people or one of those actors that I'm just like Sometimes I love his movies and sometimes it's just like I just am not in the mood for a Will Ferrell movie. They're very hit or miss. This is definitely one of his more tame movies. Mm. Um, but sometimes I just I just am not in a Will Ferrell mood. Um, Rudolph definitely is a little problematic in places, mm-hmm. but I think that it holds up as a classic. And it was groundbreaking. Like it was the pallbearer as far as claymation Christmas movies. That's true. Yeah. I will say I have a pair of elf socks as well, which is just throwing that out there. So a small point <laughs> for elf, but in the end, I think we're going with Rudolph, right? Yeah. All right. That has been round one. It feels like anti-Christmas to to not vote for Rudolph. I don't know. I There's a lot of people that are trying Trying to get Rudolph canceled, like off the airwaves. Why? Because of the problems that we listed at the beginning of this this matchup. I mean, yeah, there are definitely problems, but it's not the worst movie to come out of that time period. Oh, no, <laughs> not at all. All right, moving on to round two. First matchup, we have White Christmas, which we've already talked about, against my powerhouse in this tournament, A Christmas Story, 1983. Based on the humorous writings of author Gene Shepard, this beloved holiday movie follows the witty exploits of young Ralphie Parker, played by Peter Billingsley, who spends most of his time dodging a bully, played by Zach Ward, and dreaming of his ideal Christmas gift, a Red Rider air rifle. Frequently at odds with the cranky dad, played by Darren McGavin, but comforted by his doting mother, Ralphie struggles to make it to Christmas Day with his glasses and his hopes intact. So we got White Christmas against the Christmas story. Now you love White Christmas and I love a Christmas story. And I'm going to give one argument right here because I have a lot, but I'll give one argument right here is that a Christmas story for as long as I can remember has had a 24 hours of a Christmas story on TBS and TNT where they play it from eight o'clock on Christmas Eve at night and they play it all the way to eight o'clock on Christmas Day. 24 hours of a Christmas story, right? If you are good enough for a network to give you 24 hours, that's 12 run-throughs of this movie. I don't see White Christmas getting 24 hours of White Christmas. So uh, I rest my case, A Christmas Story. That's that's the winner of this round. Okay, well, we haven't decided that yet. I feel like this is going to be our, our biggest, biggest contest here. Oh, well, no, it's not because the next round I'm going to shred this movie. <laughs> I'm not actually going to shred it, but like, I don't like this movie and I know you love it. All right. Well, in defense of White Christmas, I have just never, I'm afraid to say this. I'm afraid to admit this to the general public because I've never really said it, but I've never really liked A Christmas Story. Jeez. Get out of here. What don't you like about that movie? I don't know. It's a classic. I've watched it a couple times and I've just never, it's never really like grabbed me. You know, like people are so, people love the Christmas story. I mean, the Christmas story house is in Ohio, I'm pretty sure. Like Sam's brother. 
and his family, they go to the Christmas story house like every year. And I just, it's never had that kind of effect on me. And I feel like people are so, so passionate about this movie and I've never felt that way about it. So I don't really have like any complaints about it. I've just never really cared about it. Okay, but head-to-head matchup, when you're talking about quality, so you've seen it, right? Yeah. So if you're talking about quality, we're talking storyline, we're talking acting, we're talking mm-hmm. cultural impact. You're telling me that White Christmas is above a Christmas story in that regard. I believe that it is. I don't think so. Maybe at okay. one point, maybe at one point, but not here in 2020. What does White Christmas have that a Christmas story doesn't? Musical numbers. Color. Irving Berlin. I don't even know who that is. The man who wrote White Christmas and all of the movie or all of the songs from the movie and the movie before that Holiday Inn, which is also a great movie. But we don't talk about that one as much because there's blackface in it. And also against White Christmas is not in black and white. It's in color. Oh, is it? Joyful story about war veterans who have come home and truthful story about a general from the army who has not received any benefits. Okay. (laughs) But in Christmas story... You have what we've all gone through. You have a little boy who has something that he viscerally wants for Christmas, and that's all he wants. And he works so hard to get this gift. And you're telling me that you can't relate to that? To the turkey that gets eaten by the dogs? To the bullies that you beat the shit out of? Everybody can identify with little Ralphie. And the dad, once you get older, the dad and mom. Like, I used to love Ralphie, and now when I watch it, I'm like... Yeah, the dad. You're telling me that when you watch a Christmas story, you don't just feel everything about Christmas inside of you? I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I don't dislike it. I just feel much more passionately about White Christmas. I'll make a compromise. I'll make a compromise. If you give me a Christmas story, because there's no rules in this competition. If you give me a Christmas (laughs) story, as much as I'm going to fight the next one, I will give the next one to you. I actually think I would pick White Christmas over the next one. Do you? Mm -hmm. Do you even know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do, because I know you hate it. You know what? I'll give it to you. Oh, I hate saying that. I'm like nauseous (laughs) saying that. I will forever defend a Christmas story. I can't deny how big of a movie White Christmas is, and I have been meaning to watch it, and my dad always tells me to watch it. So Christmas story is number one in my heart. And honestly, for being made in like 1950-something, it's not that problematic. There's a little bit of sexism, but like... Not any more than most movies made in like the 2000s, honestly. And if you just ignore, you know, Bing Crosby wasn't a great person in his actual life, but he was a good performer, so. He's got a nice voice. He's got a beautiful voice. He is, how can you deny Bing Crosby, the voice of Christmas? Um, Andy Williams is the voice of Christmas for starters, but we'll go, we'll get into that next year's (laughs) holiday episode. We'll do songs or something like that. I'll fight you on that. Andy Williams is my guy. All right, so we're going White Christmas? We are. All right, next matchup. Christmas Vacation, going up against what I know is one of your favorite Christmas movies, The Polar Express, 2004. Tom Hanks and director Robert Zemeckis, who also directed Forrest Gump, Cast Away, and I'm going to add this um, back to the future, reunite for Polar Express, an inspiring adventure based on the beloved children's book by Chris Van Allsburg. When a doubting young boy takes an extraordinary train ride to the North Pole, he embarks on a journey of self-discovery that shows him that the wonder of life never fades for those who believe. All right. Well, I know that you hate Polar Express. So before you shred it, because I did concede it, let me just say in defense of it, I love the Polar Express because I love Christmas and I always have. Christmas has always been my favorite time of year. 
and I think I've made that pretty clear on this show so far, but in case I haven't, let me just put that out there. Christmas is my favorite time of year. Always loved it. And I love the message of the Polar Express. And I also love trains. And I have ridden on the actual train, well, not the like the train cars, but a train pulled by the actual steam engine that the Polar Express was modeled after, not only for the movie, but for the original book, The Polar Express. And I saw The Polar Express in IMAX 3D when it when I was in fourth grade. That's also the, uh, the train ride that you got engaged on last year. True. It's not the only time I've ridden The Polar Express, though. It's actually the third time I've ridden The Polar Express. Take you for a, a one-timer. <laughs> I can get why people like The Polar Express. It's the message of always believing in Christmas. I think, I think the idea of it is charming. But you also can't deny that Tom Hanks plays eight parts in it. That has to be a point four, That right? is impressive. And I know it's it's got a lot of personal meaning for people. It's a very charming movie. I was talking to Hillary earlier, and she has a very personal connection with it. For somebody that doesn't, I've had so many ants that got me to try to watch the movie, and I never finished it. I found it boring. <laughs> the animation's interesting, but not enough for me to watch a full-length movie of it. I actually looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's got a pretty lackluster score. And from what I've gathered... Tom Hanks, as the conductor in that movie, just seems like a dick. He's just trying to get him to the North Pole on time. He's sassy, and not in a good way. Mm, I like it. So between this and Christmas Vacation, I mean, just an amount of times I've watched Christmas Vacation versus never completing Polar Express. Like I said, I get why people like it. I appreciate the charmingness of it, but I personally think it falls a little flat. I also don't think I really conceded anything this round because Christmas Vacation is another one of my favorites. So I know. It's so freaking good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so I, I would have had a hard time so genuinely good. deciding between the two, if I'm being honest. That's okay. I don't think Christmas Vacation is going to move on, but it's so stupid. It's so good. I don't like any of the other Vacation movies. The rest of them are so dumb. I can't get enough of Christmas Vacation, though. So Christmas Vacation, moving on. We'll hang a star for Polar Express, but uh, won't make it past this round. All right, next matchup, we've got Charlie Brown, who won in round one, going up against another claymation classic, my favorite claymation classic, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. This came out in 1970. Here's one of those famous Rankin-Bass uh, summaries you'll find on Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town is a 1970 stop-motion Christmas television special produced by Rankin-Bass Productions in New York, New York. That's all they give you. So if you haven't <laughs> seen this movie, it's basically the origin story of Santa Claus. I fucking love it's Santa so Claus is Coming to Town. Good. It's so good. If I had to choose one Christmas classic to keep and I had to throw the rest in the garbage can, I would absolutely pick this one. Fred Astaire, Mickey Rooney is Santa, is, is Chris Kringle. He's a ginger. The humor is fucking on point. I laugh out loud at this movie every time I watch it. One foot in front of the other is the most iconic of the Claymation songs. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many good things to say about it. I absolutely choose Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I haven't watched it yet this year, and I need also, to. Also, not really a lot of weird problematic things. Really, the only thing is that there's only one female character. No, that's not true. He has a mom. Well, like yeah. the, the elf mom. And she's pretty cool. Tonka um, Kringle. Yeah. The other female character, she only has one song and it's really sad and like weirdly like 70s vibe kind of like things on the screen. I don't know, but it's good. 
still good. Now, I love Charlie Brown Christmas. Ah, oh, man, this is tougher than I thought because I really also, love Charlie Santa Brown Also, Santa Claus Christmas. is Coming to Town is really, like, that movie also makes me feel very, like, nostalgic because that was, like, it's, like, one of my mom's favorite Christmas movies and we always watched it. Like, we had, we had like the box set of like Frosty and Rudolph and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And I think there were a couple other ones. There was like Frosty 2 in there, which no one ever watches. And there was another one that I don't think I ever watched. The only one we ever watched out of the box set was Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Sometimes we'd watch Rudolph because my mom laughs so hard at literally her favorite part of the whole movie, which I think is the only reason we watch it, is she just loves bumbles bounce like that's just her favorite thing she has like we've gotten her like four different stuffed bumbles just because of that see that's that's charlie brown for me my mom is the biggest peanuts fan we actually got our first dog checkers partly because he looked like snoopy so like every christmas it was like watching charlie brown christmas with my mom ah man this is i think this might be the toughest round for me because i really love both of them i really love both of them Ah. I think if you compare the music head to head, even objectively, I think yeah. the music in Santa Claus is Coming to Town is better. There's just... I think it's the best movie based on a Christmas song, for sure. Like, they took they took a Christmas song and they made it like a real story. Quality story, too. And there's just something... Like, when you watch this movie, you just feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like, it does feel magical. And as much as I love Charlie Brown, I don't feel quite as magical. I do feel magical, mm-hmm. but not not as much. There's a different level of magical. As much as I, I hate to leave Charlie Brown Christmas behind, with this matchup, I think it's fair. I think it's fair to say that Santa Claus is Coming to Town is the superior Christmas special. All right. Final matchup of round number two. We have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer against The Grinch, the 1966 original animation. Oh, this is a tough one. How the Grinch Stole Christmas is an animated television special directed and co-produced by Chuck Jones. It is based on the 1957's children's book of the same name by Dr. Seuss. The story of the Grinch trying to take away Christmas from the townsfolk of Whoville below his mountain hideaway. I will say out of all the summaries, I think the Grinch summary was the best. Short, For sweet, sure. and it tells you the whole thing. Granted, it's only a half an hour special. I say it's it's also the, probably the shortest out of all of these. It wasn't like White Christmas that's like, let's name all these actors. And also, there's the army general, but he's in debt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was such a long summary. That was like a whole synopsis. But also, it's not uh, the shitty Rankin and Bass ones that they're like, all you need <laughs> to know about this is that we made it because we're Rankin and Bass, motherfuckers. <laughs> Not a quality uh, this, summary. This is a really hard one. I actually... Not for me, to be honest. No? Grinch all the way. Another one of my really? mom's favorites. My mom will watch this, like, in November. Like, she'll break the Christmas after Thanksgiving <laughs> spell to watch this in November. We watch it every Christmas Eve, right before the Christmas Story Marathon. It's just unique. It's a very unique story, and it's Dr. Seuss. Like, when Dr. Seuss is paired with Christmas, you get a winning formula every time. And you can't beat you can't beat that message. You can't. His heart grew many sizes that day. Was it three? Three sizes. Three sizes. I wanted to say five, <laughs> but I knew that wasn't quite right. And also Max is one of the cutest Christmas dogs around. Absolutely. I think it's a tough call just because, you know, Rudolph is Rudolph. But at the end of the day, I think that 
the Grinch is an icon. All right, so we we choosing the Grinch. We're yeah. we're reaching crunch time both with the bracket, but also with timing of the podcast. So we're moving on to the Grinch. <laughs> Rudolph, you had your moment in the sun, but uh, sexism bites you in the butt. <laughs> moving on to the semifinals, we've got White Christmas versus Christmas Vacation. It's still not that tough for me. I still choose White Christmas, but it is a little tough because these are like, if I had to pick just my two favorite Christmas movies, like off the top of my head, these are the two I would say. This is not as tough for me as the last round, which was Christmas Story versus White Christmas. I've never seen White Christmas, but I feel fine saying that (laughs) it tops Christmas Vacation. While I love Christmas Vacation with all of my heart, it is a dumb, fun Christmas adventure Whereas Mm. White Christmas is a cultural classic. Now, I will say that out of all the characters on this bracket, Cousin Eddie (laughs) is an icon. He is something. An absolute icon. If you've never seen Christmas Vacation, watch it once. And if you just refuse to even watch it once, just look up Cousin Eddie clips. (laughs) Because they're a delight. And you can't get better than that. I mean, I'm still trying to plan the perfect Cousin Eddie Halloween costume. (laughs) <laughs> I just haven't. I was going to do it this year and, you know, COVID. So I'm waiting till next year to do it now. My mom's family always ends up getting some version of a Christmas vacation themed gift for someone. Last year, my mom's entire family, we all got matching Christmas vacation shirts. Not matching, but like we all got different Christmas vacation shirts. Mm-hmm. So like my sister and I got a pair of them. Ashley said the first half of the quote about... um. Oh, I, you've told me about this before. Yeah, mine said, you serious, Clark? And then like my my grandma just said, it's Christmas and we're all in misery because my grandma <laughs> always hosts Christmas, except for this year, obviously. Right. But Christmas vacation is very special to me and to our family, but I can't deny white Christmas. Yeah, I'll put White Christmas up there. Oh, I am not liking. I am not liking how this this final is shaping up. Well, I'm gonna. I think we're gonna butt heads on this next one. Um, as far as Christmas vacation shirts go, I will say I was wearing my Christmas vacation shirt earlier. <laughs> it's uh the old wood panel station wagon with the giant tree just hanging end to end. <laughs> Christmas vacation, we love you. We hate to do this, but you will be left in the dust of the semifinals. White Christmas, moving on to the final round. Semi-final matchup number two, Santa Claus is coming to town versus the Grinch. I know who you're going to pick. I honestly would go with the Grinch on this one. Really? I think it's so unique and it's such a, okay, well, I was going to say, I think it's so unique and such an interesting story, but so is Santa Claus is coming to town. I feel, this is a really hard choice, honestly. It is. I choose Santa Claus is coming to town because of my personal connection to it. But I know you also have a personal connection to the Grinch. I do. Like the same connection. And one thing the Grinch has going for that Santa Claus is coming to town doesn't. The Grinch, I love the colors used in that movie. That's true. It doesn't look like any other movie because it's Dr. Seuss. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. You're going, it's, you're going up against Dr. Seuss. narrated by Anthony Hopkins? No. Anthony Hopkins. I don't know why I always think that. I'm pretty sure it is. No, so remember, this was a 1966. Hmm, that's so right. So it was actually narrated by Boris Karloff. Oh, that's right. I don't know why. The singer of You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, was the iconic in the best name in the business, Thurl mm-hmm. Ravenscroft. Also known as the voice of Tony the Tiger. Hell yeah, he was. So you've got two icons in there. You've got Dr. Seuss and you've got Thurl Ravenscroft. 
But again, I'll throw it out there. In Santa Claus is Coming to Town, you got Fred Astaire as the mailman narrator. Yeah, and, you got and you've Mickey got Rooney. Mickey Rooney mm. as Santa Claus. And I'm pretty sure the voice of the Winter Warlock is someone significant, too. I think you're right. Gosh, they're both so f- charming. They're both so charming. I got to stay with the Grinch, though. I got to stay with my heart on this one. But how can you argue against the Burgermeister Meisterburger? That's Quite true. possibly my favorite movie villain of all time. <laughs> and the Winter Warlock, who starts as a villain, but then his heart melts. I mean, the main character of the Grinch starts at the villain, and then his heart That's grows. True. That's true. What's more impressive, a heart melting or a heart growing? Now, biology would say a heart growing. He also learns to walk, I think, which I don't think he knew how to do before that. Okay, but the Grinch learned how to love. And he cuts the roast beef at the end of the movie. (laughs) No, it's not. It's the roast beast. You know, beef, beast. Everybody's (laughs) eating good. I'm sticking with the Grinch. You're (sighs) sticking with Santa Claus is coming to town. Are we going to have to go to a coin flip on this one? Because I... I don't think I can budge on this one. I love I don't I love I don't both think of I these can movies. either. I, love I don't think both I can either. Movies. I think we may have to just yeah. do a coin flip because I, I don't think I can concede. I don't want to pick either of these, to be honest. Yeah. All right, but, let's do a coin flip. But the Grinch, I already gave up Charlie Brown. <laughs> well, I I didn't give that one up begrudgingly, but it was hard. And I gave up Christmas story. So I will I gotta hold to one. We're going to flip an SD card. We'll go ridges. <laughs> we'll go ridges or no ridges. Um, I'll call it in the air. Okay. Ready? Yep. Okay. Call it. Ridges. No ridges. <laughs> Here, I'll show you so you can. No, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. All right. Santa Claus is coming to town and is moving on to the finale. All right. Championship round. Of oh, the I don't like first this annual hit and run Christmas movie bracket challenge, 2020 edition. Say that five times fast. We've got White <laughs> Christmas versus Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Now I've only seen one of these movies, so I'll stick by Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Wow, this is a hard matchup. Honestly, though, I love both of these movies so much. I can go with either. I haven't seen one. I think what we've determined in this challenge is that no matter what happens, I'm going to have to leave this recording and turn on White Christmas. I, <laughs> yes. think, that's the, I think that's the most I definitive thing we've it. chosen. That I highly that recommend. Rudolph is a little strange, as well as Frosty. <laughs> yes, I think Frosty is the most strange, though. Okay, so I'll, I'll pose three questions for you. Which okay. movie do you think, and I, I believe I've asked variations of these before, which one is more iconic? Which one has the better story? And which one has made a bigger impact on culture? I think those should be your criteria for this. So I already hate the way that my brain is leading right now. Um, In terms of cultural impact, I think that probably White Christmas has a greater cultural impact just because White Christmas, I mean, it was Irving Berlin. It was, it's been made into a Broadway show. It's been made into, I mean, it, was made out of the movie before it, which was Holiday Inn, which both of those movies were written basically because Irving Berlin wrote some songs and he made them into a movie somehow. You know, you wrote down Holiday Inn Season when I asked two you for a of list of and 20. Run. And I was like, what is that, a Hallmark movie? And I just kind of brushed <laughs> past it. I didn't even bother looking up what it was. That's okay. It wouldn't have made it past the first round because you can't really 
can't really excuse the blackface, but so there's so there's so there's one point for White Christmas right now. Okay, what were the other two questions? Which one has a more interesting story, and which one do you think had a bigger impact on culture? I already answered that one. Well, then the one before that then was. What was the know. first question? I don't even remember. Grab bag it. <laughs> Grab bag it at this point. All right. Well, so in terms of story, White Christmas, while it is like it was made in the 50s, it's kind of basic in terms of like the the relationships in the movie are pretty basic. You know, you know who's going to get together in the first like 10 minutes of the movie, whatever. Um, you know, it's going to have a happy ending. There's no concern there. But I will say I've always felt about this movie that the story is actually pretty interesting for being like a super basic movie made in the 50s. I mean, you know, we got the whole fucking story from the synopsis, but I mean, it's about these two guys who they're war buddies. Bill saves Bob's license. So he's like, I owe you. And then he basically like uses that I owe you to get him to create an entertainment duo with him. And then they get really famous and then they meet these girls and then they go to the inn in Vermont and then their old like war general is there and he's like about to go bankrupt. And so they have to save it by bringing their whole show to his inn and attracting a bunch of people and saving it. And like it's very heartwarming and complex, actually, surprisingly. There's some love, you know, stuff going on in there. But obviously, you know, the two guys fall in love with the two sisters. Oh, a little romance. <laughs> but then again, Santa Claus is coming to town. They took a song and they made it into this whole classic story. So it's hard to argue against either of them. I think, though, I'm going to be honest with you. The, I already wrote down who I think you're going to say. The concession that I'm making in my head right now is that while I adore White Christmas with all of my heart, and it's one of my all-time favorite movies, it is not as much of a Christmas movie as Santa Claus is Coming to Town is. Oh, I got to cross this wrong? out then. <laughs> I totally thought you've been advocating for White Christmas this entire episode. I, this is the only movie it could have come up against where I wouldn't have picked it, if I'm being honest. But the reason that I am picking Santa Claus is Coming to Town is because while I love White Christmas so much, it's only actually a Christmas movie in the very beginning and the very end. Right. I, well, I guess, right. I haven't, I'm going to watch it after this, but. And you'll understand <laughs> when you watch it. it. You'll understand right. when you watch it. The whole movie isn't a Christmas movie, but. Well, yeah, the there's whole, more. Like, the, the white Christmas part of it with the snow and everything. And you'll know why I like it. Like you'll watch it and you'll just understand. Like if you, it's one of those things where, you know, like this is one of those things where like you'll understand why I am the way that I am when you watch this movie. Because I love it and I love everything about it. And I've also like been watching it my entire life. And it's probably the reason why I love snow so much. But that's not what the whole movie is about. But Santa Claus is coming to town. It is about Santa. It's a Christmas movie. It's about Christmas. It gives you those Christmas time magic feels for the whole movie. And that's the whole point of it. So I think that in my good conscience, I have to choose Santa Claus is coming to town. And I will agree, especially because... You haven't seen White Christmas? Well, one, I haven't seen White Christmas, <laughs> but two, that it beat out The Grinch and Rudolph and Charlie Brown. Yeah. Sorry, The Grinch beat out Rudolph, but this beat out Charlie Brown and The Grinch, which is two of like my absolute favorites. Yeah, I'm good with that. All right, Santa Claus is Coming to Town is your hit and run 2020 Christmas movie bracket challenge champion. <laughs> Thank you.
Well, thank you everybody for listening to both the holiday special and season two of Hit and Run. We are so thankful for each and every one of you that engage with us and listen to this podcast. We're going to go on a short hiatus. Um, We'll be back middle of next winter, probably around February. So make sure you listen to the old episodes and we'll keep posting stuff on our Facebook. Just check us out on all our social media pages, wherever you listen to your podcast. And happy holidays, everybody. But before we go. Oh, no. That's right. We got to finish this like we do every episode. It's not a happy holiday anymore. (laughs) Natalie, what did we learn today? We learned that It's a Wonderful Life is not about a very wonderful life. We also learned that sometimes you have to betray your all-time favorite movie to be faithful to the spirit of Christmas. And we learned that no one wants a Cousin Eddie at their Christmas. What else did we learn? We learned that uh, I kind of want a Cousin Eddie at my Christmas. (laughs) We learned that just because you have a 24-hour marathon of your movie, apparently that doesn't justify getting past your opening round. Am I better? A little bit. And we learned that if you have a prediction, don't write it in pen because you're probably going to be wrong. Because Santa Claus is coming to town is your Christmas movie champion. This has been the Hit and Run Podcast. Have a great holiday. Have a great intro to 2021. And we will see you guys in February 2021.